apologies to everybody. It has been far, far too long since I've done a podcast. Uh, I could give you the many excuses that we all have that life is just uh, gets a little crazy, especially with kids back in school and everything. But uh, anyways, I do apologize and um, I'm back and hopefully should be trying to do them here a little bit more uh, consistent without taking so much time off in between. Um, also, I wanted to let you know I um, decided to take out the ads. Um, uh, gotta admit, they're probably a little bit annoying um, and don't know if they're really working that well. So um, I'm taking out the ads and uh, I'm just hoping that uh, some people who listen to the podcasts are uh, willing to support in any way possible. Uh, basically, what I have did is uh, I set up a PayPal.me account. Uh, which is paypal.me slash chef's table podcast. And uh, if you guys feel that you learned anything and want to make a little donation to help me keep the podcast ad free, um, feel free to uh, check that out. And anything uh, anything is uh, appreciated. So uh, that's there for you if you uh, feel like uh, you learned a little something today. So, um, anyways, uh, back to the podcast here. So, uh, what I uh, wanted to work on today, uh, talk a little bit about today, was actually the wonderful world of potatoes. Um, So, actually, in culinary school, we uh, actually have um, one whole class dedicated to potatoes and just talking about the different varieties and uh, we do different cooking ke- techniques with them, so I uh, figured why not talk a little bit about it here on the podcast and uh, see what you guys think. Um, what's cool about potatoes, um, in my opinion, is probably one of the world's uh, top five uh, most important crops, um, along with uh, wheat, corn, sugarcane, rice. Um, I mean, potatoes, you find them pretty much everywhere. Any grocery store, you're going to see a couple different types of potatoes. It's actually, uh, if you go online, you can find different averages, but for the most part, the average American is probably going to consume about 120 pounds per year, and the average German is actually going to consume, uh, consume actually even more than 200 pounds per year, so uh, pretty popular um, food item, to say the least. So what is a potato? Well, the, the name is Solanum tubersum. Uh, That's the botanical name, and it's actually a member of what's called the nightshade family. And the nightshade family also has tomatoes, eggplant, peppers, tobacco. Those are also members of the family. Potatoes are actually a tuber, which is uh, the portion of the plant that grows under the ground. And tubers actually store energy in the form of starch, and it uses that starch, that form of energy, to actually grow the plant above the ground. Um, what's cool about potatoes, um, is that you can actually grow them from a cutting of a potato. You don't, there, you don't even need to use a seed. Uh, and actually the plant, it actually looks very nice when it's growing. Um, sometimes, well, usually when, if you let it grow long enough, you'll see they have these really nice purple or white flowers. And, uh, you can even go back and read history books and see that Marie Antoinette, actually uh, used to wear potato flowers in her hair. Potatoes are actually a very ideal food. Um, 
They actually have about 163 calories for about a medium-sized potato. Um, also contain about 25% of the daily um, need for potassium. Uh, pretty high in dietary fiber. Also actually contains a little bit of protein, about 8%. Uh, actually get quite a bit of vitamin C in a potato, about 70% of your daily uh, intake uh, that's needed. Uh, vitamin B6, there's about 30% of your uh, daily intake, and there's also magnesium, about 12%. And when you look at potato and um, the history of it, you can see why this ideal food actually was the reason that some societies, such as Europe and Central America, their civilizations, they were able to um, you know, stay alive, basically, and thanks... Uh, in part to potatoes. So, uh, potatoes, um, the wild potatoes are actually said to have originated in Central America around the Andes mountain region. Um, obviously there's a lot of history there, but, uh, basically moving up to when the Incas claimed control of the region, they actually relied on different roots and tubers as staples in their diet. And the potato is probably one of the most important part of them. Um, they actually ate a different version of the potato than you know what we're familiar with now, um, which is the wild potato. And what's weird about it or interesting about it is actually is poisonous because uh, it has compounds in it called solanine and tomatine. Um, the Incas, being uh, as smart as they were, they actually noticed um, that there were uh, wild animals uh, who would eat the potatoes. Uh, but what they did was they actually would lick clay before they ate the potatoes um, and basically what they did was by eating um, that clay uh, those toxic compounds the solanine uh, would actually be absorbed into uh, the clay and it would help those um, toxic compounds pass through the digestive tract uh, so the Incas actually made um, I hate to use the word gravy, but that's kind of what it was, of a, a mix of clay and water. And they would actually dunk the potatoes in that uh, gravy uh, before they uh, worked with them. So they helped them not to get sick. Uh, to uh, get sick. Another thing they did was actually after they harvest the potatoes, they would leave them out to freeze overnight. And then the next day they would thaw in the sun and then uh, they would squeeze out the liquid and they would continue uh, doing this process until they basically ended up with a, a much smaller and kind of lighter uh, potato than what they originally had harvested. Kind of maybe something along the lines of a potato gnocchi, if you're familiar with that. They call these potatoes chuno, and uh, they actually could be kept for a long period of time, almost years, without spoiling. And uh, this food actually helped uh, to keep them nourished even in years where they didn't have a very good harvest. Uh, and eventually, over time, they began to learn to cultivate less toxic versions of potatoes, and some of them versions, some of the versions probably even slightly resembled what we know as the potato today. Uh, moving forwards, you know, quite a few years, eventually, you know, the Spaniards ended up in the region. Um, they learned about those new round foods, which they didn't know the name of at the time. Uh, eventually, they brought them back to Europe. In around 1596, there was a German naturalist named Gaspar Bahin. And he gave the new round food a name, which is Solanum uh, tubersum. Unfortunately, uh, potatoes did not have a good reputation. Um, farmers thought they were very strange crops since they were grown from 
cuttings uh, of potatoes and not actually seeds. And people were also reluctant to eat them because the potatoes really, as you know, don't have a lot of flavor to them. And some people even thought they caused leprosy or fever. Uh, so, you know, for a, quite some time, uh, they were not really uh, um, favored, not something that was looked upon um, to be grown or eaten. But unfortunately, famine spread because grain prices became a lot higher and people basically had no choice but to uh, rely on the potato as a way to survive. Uh, eventually, farmers uh, realized that they need to dedicate more and more space of their land to growing the potatoes. Um, and that even helped basically any peasants to and their families to stay fed and to stay alive and give them sustenance uh, in order to uh, keep working. Now, moving forward... Uh, some more years in about 1845 uh, there was what's called a water mold which is called pea infestans and it was actually detected near uh, the French border um, also known as a blight it was thought to have originated from Peru and was brought over to Europe on boats carrying guano and guano is the dried remains of uh, birds ur urine that was being used as a fer fertilizer for the potato crops at the time uh, eventually, that blight made its way into Paris, and within, within weeks, it had spread to Germany, Denmark, and England, basically destroying crops all along the way. Uh, within a month, it was detected in Ireland, where it was said to have destroyed almost half of the 2.1 million acres of potato crops. The next year, worse, and the next year after that, even worse. Unfortunately, this blight caused widespread famine, and more than a million Irish people lost their lives. More than two million more had tried or actually eventually fleed Ireland, got out of Ireland, um, and many of them, you know, basically, a lot of them landed in, in the U.S. And um, I think Ireland is one of the few countries in the world uh, where their population is actually uh, has less than, than um, what it was uh, in history whereas most other countries, it continues uh, to grow. Um, potatoes, the, that blight, the pea infestans blight, was not the only issue that potatoes have come across. Um, the Colorado potato beetle was also another issue that farmers had to face. Uh, this was actually thought to have originated in Mexico, and um, basically the potato beetle made its way north because it was buried in the manes and tails of horses and cows, and then eventually it found the potato plant along the Missouri River. Uh, the beetles basically feasted, loved that potato plant, and eventually farmers had to begin using something, uh, some sort of deterrent to uh, keep the bugs away or kill them. I guess, uh, according to history, one farmer was actually so upset that he just threw some green paint all over the plants in frustration and noticed in short time that it actually ended up killing the bugs. And most likely this was due to some of the compounds in the paint, arsenic or copper. And this is basically how we see the beginning of what we know as the use of pesticides uh, today. So potatoes, there are a lot of different varieties out there. Uh, depending on what you read online, it could be anywhere from over 4,000 different, 4, different varieties of potatoes in the world. And a lot of them are based in the Andes region. 
Uh, you can even actually still find some 140 variety of wild potatoes in the region. Uh, unfortunately, most of them are unedible. Um, in the kitchen, though, basically potatoes are going to fall in one of two main categories, um, which it's based on various attributes, such as the amount of starch and the amount of moisture. And those two main categories are called um, waxy and mealy. So we'll start off with mealy potatoes first. These are generally oblong in shape and they have a rougher skin. This is what you might know as your baked potato. Um, you'll see them uh, called russets or Idaho potatoes. Um, these are good potatoes in terms of they have less moisture and more starch. And so these are ideal for uh, foods that might be mashed, fried and or baked. Um, that's the kind of potato that works best for french fries. Uh, or mashed potatoes and when you cook the potatoes the resulting texture is actually drier and flakier than the waxy uh, so you get almost a mealy consistency when it is cooked uh, they're also a little bit more absorbent than waxy potatoes meaning uh, the good stuff like cream and butter absorbs and mixes mixes well into um, the mealy potatoes for items like mashed potatoes or croquettes or potato cakes or something along those lines. Now the other type of potato is a waxy potato. These are generally more round in shape. They have a smoother skin. Um, they have a higher moisture content, lower in starch compared to mealy potatoes. And these are your new potatoes, red potatoes, yellow creamers, fingerlings, uh, purple potatoes, and then even Yukon gold. Now, just be aware that depending on who you talk to, some people will say there's a third type of category called an all-purpose, um, and they kind of like fall right in the middle of the waxy and the mealy. Uh, Yukon Gold is one of those potatoes that might fall in the middle um, there. And Yukon Gold and purple potatoes are actually kind of cool. Uh, you can use them for almost any kind of applications since they're considered almost like an all-purpose potato. Uh, but back to the waxy potatoes, these potatoes are better for applications where you want to keep the shape of the potato and the end product, maybe a boiled potato or potato that you might use in a soup or a stew, potato salad, casseroles, maybe even au gratins, it all depends. Uh, mainly though, you want to kind of keep uh, waxy potatoes away from the fryer because of the higher uh, moisture content. Now, just because we have the two categories doesn't mean you can't cross them and use them for applications that might not be the most ideal okay it, it, it just really all depends just remember though that that you the best thing you can do is kind of keep the um, waxy potatoes away from the fryer now while we're talking about potatoes sweet potatoes always come into this category um, and but honestly really technically sweet potatoes are not truly a potato because they're actually from a different family um, they're from the family called Morning Glory um, and uh, definitely have a little bit more of a mo uh, higher moisture content uh, as well. Uh, sweet potatoes are pretty interesting. You can actually grow them at home. I've grown them myself. Um, you know, basically uh, what you need to do is uh, take your potato and you're going to wait till you have... Um, some uh, little sprouts coming off and then uh, basically what you do is you fill up a mason jar or, or something along those lines 
what I would do is put a couple toothpicks, three toothpicks in my sweet potato around the top of it. And then basically, uh, you just want to place the portion of the sweet potato that has a, the, the sprouts that are starting in, into the water. And eventually over time, uh, you'll get some small roots that start to grow and then you'll have uh, some green vines that come out of it. And you want to leave that there for a little while till you get some good roots and then you can go ahead and place those basically those cuttings of sweet potato in the soil. Uh, but you got to make sure you put them under the soil uh, to grow. Um, and then uh, over maybe two, three months, uh, somewhere along those lines, you'll end up uh, having a lot of sweet potatoes in that uh, big pile of dirt. So it's pretty cool. Um, also, sweet potatoes and yams, um, people associate them uh, with the same, as the same, but technically uh, they are not the same thing. A sweet potato is what we just talked about, but a yam is actually uh, something even different uh, compared to a sweet potato. Uh, very starchy, very, um, it's basically like an edible root, uh, has a very, very tough skin. Um, and it's basically found in places like the Caribbean and Africa. Um, you really probably wouldn't find a true yam in most grocery stores, maybe some kind of specialty international store. Uh, but for the most part, uh, you're probably not going to find them there. All right. Now when it comes to buying and storing potatoes, what are we looking for when we go to the grocery store? Well, obviously when we look for potatoes, uh, they should have no green spots, um, and hopefully there's no eyes or sprouts on them. They should be very clean. They should feel firm and no soft or mushy spots. There should be no bruises, no cuts, and the skin should be very firm and not wrinkled. It's always a good idea when you go to the grocery store to pick up your bag of potatoes, move it around, look around the bottom, and um, make sure that there's nothing spoiling, nothing rotting, no sprouting. And you also want to make sure there is no green on the potatoes and that actually green uh, comes from the solanine um, that I was telling you about that toxic compound uh, in the potato when they're exposed uh, to light okay and unfortunately the potatoes a lot of times they uh, when they're put out for display at the grocery store they're obviously they're left out in the light um, so it's kind of one of the things you want to take a look for and make sure there's no green on them all right, usually when you buy potatoes in the grocery store, we're looking at a five to 10 pound bag. Um, sometimes you can, you know, a lot of times you'll also find them put out in bulk so you can pick out the potatoes that you want. Uh, in the commercial kitchen, usually potatoes are gonna be bought in a 50 pound case and we buy them by the count. Okay, so basically if you're going to buy an 80 count potato, uh, you, in order to figure out how much each potato is going to weigh, you basically take uh, the total weight of the case in ounces, which is 800, all right, so 50 times 16, uh, and you divide the 800 by the count that you're ordering. So in this case, we're ordering 80 count potatoes. And in this case here, when you divide 800 by 80, you get 10. So, and basically you get a general idea of the weight of the potato. It should be around anywhere from eight to 10, maybe up to 12 ounces, but for the most part, they should average right around 10 ounces. So depending on what you're doing with a potato is how you would buy the size of the count. You know, a larger baking potato for a baked potato bar, you might get something along the lines of a 50 count or a 60 count where there are larger potatoes and less of them. Uh, if you're gonna be mashing them up and you don't really care, you could buy, you know, a, a smaller count or, 
depending on whatever it is that you're going to do with them. If you got a, if you have to peel a whole case, once again, you might want to buy a larger count so you're not peeling as many potatoes. Now, when you store potatoes, always remember the three things, a cool area, dry area, and dark area. Obviously, higher temperatures are not good for any vegetables, and if you were to store them in a place with moisture, that's when the potatoes begin to rot right away. Um, you want to store them away from light so you don't create that solanine, that green spots. And as we had mentioned uh, earlier in the podcast, a large amounts of that solanine can actually uh, be very harmful to you. So um, no green spots, no eyes, you know, eye sprouts, nothing like that uh, when you're storing them or peel that off, peel it off before you use them. And then a lot of times people store potatoes in the refrigerator. Um, They will last a little bit longer. Uh, um, That is for certain. But what the problem is, is that when you store them in the refrigerator in that very cold temperature, the starches actually convert to sugar. Uh, And then what happens is you end up having a little bit different flavor and texture when your potatoes are actually cooked. So try to store them out at room temperature. Um, you know, at my house, we have um, a pantry, we put the potatoes in a basket that may have a cover on it, and then we keep them in the pantry where the door is only open very periodically so that the potatoes are staying out of the light, and uh, they're at room, basically a nice cool room temperature. Potatoes are pretty amazing when it comes to cooking, because basically, there's pretty much any cooking method you can cook potatoes by. Uh, if you're going to roast or bake them, uh, it's always a good idea to wash them, but allow them to dry. And um, what I do is I actually take my potatoes and I drizzle a little bit of oil on them, salt and pepper, and kind of rub them in with uh, my hands. Um, and what's interesting here, what I tell the, the students uh, when we're talking about potatoes is uh, a lot of times you see baked potatoes, they wrap them in foil. And uh, I certainly understand why restaurants do that in, in terms of uh, keeping uh, so that they last longer, they hold for service, um, they don't dry out, get wrinkled per se, they stay nice and hot. But the thing is, when you cook them in foil, they're really not truly a roasted or a baked potato anymore. They end up actually steaming because the, you trap all the moisture inside the foil when they're cooked. Um, let's see. So... Another thing I also do is sometimes I'll pierce the potatoes, especially when I'm roasting sweet potatoes. I like to pierce them with a fork. That helps a little bit of the steam escape out so that uh, you don't have any issues with them possibly uh, expanding, blowing up uh, when they're cooking. Fried potatoes, obviously, you know, that's like one of the best ways, French fries. Um, French fries are amazing. Uh, You definitely want to use a russet potato. Um, Some people peel some people don't. I personally, at my house, I like to keep the skin on. I just uh, um, wash it real good and cut them into whatever shape you want, french fry shape, a little bit larger, whatever it is. And then it's a good idea to take the potatoes after you cut them in the shape you want and you put them in water and let them sit for a little bit. Some of that starch actually falls off the outside of the potato and that's a good thing when it comes to frying. Now for a really good french fry to get them crispy on the outside and nice and creamy on the inside it's a good idea after you soak them to blanch them you can blanch them one of two ways Um, usually in a restaurant we'll blanch them right in the fryer what you do is you turn the fryer down to 275 300 
and you put the potato down for maybe five minutes or so, seven minutes. And basically what you're doing here is you're trying to get the potato to pretty much cook all the way through without really getting much color on it. So we're blanching them off, kind of basically par cooking them almost all the way. Take them out, let them dry a little bit. Uh, and then what you do is turn the oil up to 350, 375. You're going to drop them down again. And the point here for that second dropping into the fryer is basically just to get them nice and crispy. Take them out, get them in some kind of pan, a mix, large mixing bowl, whatever, and you need to season them right away with the, with your salt, pepper, garlic, powder, paprika, whatever it is that you want to do, Parmesan cheese, and toss them right away while the oil is still on the outside of the potato so that the salt and the pepper and whatever else you're putting on there actually gets absorbed onto the potato. Uh, some places I've worked, they've actually blanched the potatoes in uh, water. You, it works the same way. So you blanch them off, um, you know, in um, water, take them out, let them dry real good, then drop them down in your 375, 350 oil, whatever, to get them nice and crispy. Um, speaking of uh, cooking the potatoes, blanching them in water, when you cook potatoes in water for things like mashed potatoes, uh, things like that, it's always a good idea to start anything for the most part that is a root vegetable. You start it in cold water and not hot water. And what's good about this is with those kind of root vegetables, when you cut them in larger pieces, uh, by starting them in cold water, it allows the heat to disperse evenly through the potato versus if you were to drop them in boiling water, what could happen is that the outside will cook and eventually get done and the inside will still be raw. And then what happens is the outside could turn mushy. So it's always best cut your potatoes, put them in cold water, then put it on the stove and then just gently, you know, bring the temperature up to a boiling uh, temperature. And that's really the best way to do it. Also, same way with beets and things like that as well. Um, and then if you're going to be making mashed potatoes or gnocchi or even a duchess potato, which is like a, a piped mashed potato, it's always a good idea that after you cook the potatoes in the water and you drain them, it's a good idea to dry those potatoes up a little bit so you cut back on the amount of moisture that's in your end product, especially if you're making a gnocchi or a duchess so, th uh, so they don't blow up when you cook them, basically, uh, or turn to mush. Um, so always remember to do that. You can accomplish, you know, this by putting it on a sheet pan and putting it back in the oven to dry them. Or I've seen some chefs use the same pot that you boil them in the water, put the potatoes back in that pot, put it on top of the stove and just kind of move the potatoes around a little bit to let them dry up. So to finish up, I'm just going to share one of my favorite recipes with potatoes. I talked to you a little bit about French fries, but uh, probably one of my favorite recipes is called potato dauphin bois. Um, and it's really basically a fancy name for pretty much an all gratin potato. Um, if you were to look in the Escoffier cookbook, uh, the guide to the um, art of modern cookery, it's called Gratin de Pomme de Terre à la Dauphinois, right? So basically your potato à la Dauphinois. Uh, so in order to do this, um, basically you're going to start off with about two pounds of potatoes. Um, you've, I've used uh, both types, usually the russet, um, but uh, Yukon Gold actually really works good uh, for this uh, recipe. If you were to do a russet, you would do about four uh, 80 count potatoes. That will give you your two pounds. Um, and then we have 
the uh, milk or cream, uh, usually anywhere from three to four cups of milk or cream. I personally um, like to use heavy cream um, myself, but you know, milk will work for this as well. Um, I also like to add a little bit of garlic in while I'm, uh, basically what you're going to do is you're going to take your three and a half cups, put it in a pot and you want to warm it up a little bit. Um, I like to add in a little bit of garlic, fresh garlic while I'm warming the milk because it kind of steeps, the garlic flavor steeps into the milk. Um, and then you're going to also basically need some cream. Uh, I'm sorry, some uh, cheese. Uh, four ounces of grated cheese. Uh, in the Escoffier book, he suggests Gruyere, which is uh, kind of like a Swiss. I like to use a Parmesan cheese. Myself, a shredded Parmesan. You could probably pretty much use any kind of t uh, cheese that you want for the most part. And then uh, definitely need some salt, some pepper. And then, you know, Escoffier suggests the nutmeg. It's kind of up to you whether you want to do a little... Uh, small little bit of nutmeg into your cream just to kind of round out the flavors um so just to review two pounds of potatoes about three to four cups of warm milk or cream and about four ounces of cheese and then salt and pepper possibly nutmeg uh, to taste so basically uh the first thing i do is i always get my milk warmed up so i have that ready to go uh, with a little bit of the garlic in there, you can add some a little bit of seasoning if you want, but I prefer to add the seasoning when I'm actually making uh, the dish so I can somewhat control how much is in there. Uh, then I'll take my potatoes, uh, clean them up, uh, and I like to peel the potatoes for this dish. Uh, I use a piece of equipment called a mandolin, which is basically uh, a very fancy kind of a razor blade, I guess you could say, that's built into a machine. I don't know how else really to describe it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, check it out online. Uh, a really good French mandolin is pretty expensive. You can buy cheaper ones. Um, there's Japanese mandolins that also work very well, but uh, I use a mandolin. And basically, I'll take the potato and I'll hold it the long ways. Uh, and basically, I'll go over that mandolin to get nice thin slices of potato. Think potato chips, but not quite that thin. Um, and uh, I like to cut them so that you end up with nice rounds or nice circles of potatoes. Um, basically, you want to have everything pretty much ready to go. So you're going to have yourself a nice baking dish. Um, I think... For this amount of potato, you probably use a little bit smaller baking dish. Um, I'm not sure exactly on the size, but it wouldn't be anything too big. Uh, might work if you're in the kitchen. You get away with a half hotel pan, 200 size. That would probably work pretty good. So once you got the potatoes ready to go and you are ready to peel them, are ready to slice them, you can really kind of take two different methods of after this point the first one is you can slice up all the potatoes put them in a big huge mixing bowl pour the cream over it add salt and pepper toss them all together throw them into the baking dish and go ahead and bake them in the oven and that's a way that's a fast way to do it um, it'll come out pretty much the same way but the way that I like to do it is I actually like to layer them so what I'll do is I'll slice maybe a potato or two and I'll start to layer the potatoes on the bottom. Uh, make sure you butter the dish, by the way, uh, so that nothing sticks to the side. Take a little bit of butter or a little bit of oil and just butter all the bottoms and the sides so nothing sticks to it. And basically what I do is I start putting uh, one layer down of potatoes and then I'll slightly overlap the next layer, touching the first layer and continue to do that. 
Then I'll take a ladle or two of the cream, put it over the potatoes. I'll grind some black pepper, sprinkle some kosher salt, put in a little bit of the cheese, cover up that bottom layer. So it's kind of like making a lasagna per se, if you want to say. Then you go ahead and put the next layer of potatoes on and, and then peel or uh, slice and then put a layer in. And I like to slice the potatoes and use them so they don't, you know, right away so they don't oxidize. And it's not a good idea to put the potatoes once you slice them in water because you lose some of the starch. And that starch is very important when you make this dish. So that's why you want to either kind of uh, cut them and toss them in the mixing bowl or cut them, layer them as needed. So, you, you know, you might have to stop a couple times cut some more potato and layer them in there and basically you're going to keep making layers until you use up all the potatoes then you'll have some cream left more than likely go ahead and pour the rest of the cream over the top and then put a nice layer of cheese uh, on the top and then from there basically i'll cover it with plastic wrap uh, and then foil and then bake it off in the oven um, probably about 40 to 45 minutes uh, you'll want to take the foil and plastic off for the last maybe 15 20 minutes so you can get a really nice golden brown on the top and basically you'll know they're done when all of the liquid has been absorbed and you'll see it start to kind of bubble up the side a, a little bit take that out let it sit this is probably one of the most important things it's just like a lasagna you got to take it out you got to let it sit for a little bit okay at least a good 10-15 minutes and then from there you can go ahead and cut it and you can go ahead and plate it and uh, I think if you guys try this recipe, you're really, really going to like it. It's probably one of my favorite uh, dishes for potatoes. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed um, this episode on potatoes. Uh, don't forget the paypal.me slash chef's table podcast. If you learned a little bit of something today, I'd greatly appreciate it. And uh, hopefully I'll be back here pretty soon.